Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 6 is where we will be today. We have been looking at this wonderful epistle from Paul for several months now, and and today we'll be wrapping up uh, the wonderful teaching that God has given us in His Word. And chapter 6 will really just kind of tidy up the entire message that God is giving us in this wonderful letter. So if you're able to stand, let us stand as we read God's Word. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly, to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that we may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you again for the strength of your word. As you have used the Apostle Paul to speak not only to the Ephesian church, but also to speak to us Dear God, I do ask that you would speak boldly now. As we listen to the encouragement of Paul for us to pray for one another, to be in a constant prayer in the Spirit, Lord, I pray that you would draw us into that reality. Teach us what that means, to be in constant, fervent prayer in your Spirit. And how that is a strengthening of your body. Teach us what that looks like. Encourage us where we have failed you. Forgive us even then. But also, Father, I pray that you would cause us to draw into your presence through prayer for each other as a strengthening of the body. Lord, we ask this in your Son's name right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. The Apostle Paul is now closing out this letter. And when you look at Paul's letters, he does a very similar pattern. He always opens, and this was not just a a thing that Paul did. This was very typical of ancient writing. Uh, Whenever you were writing correspondences with one another, you would have an opening greeting, and then you would have a closing. And sometimes when we preach the letters of Paul, we often forget to really focus on those closing verses. Oh, that's just Paul saying goodbye, and we just leave it alone, right? But there's so much richness in God's Word that we cannot ignore even the simplest farewell words from Paul to the church. Last week, as we looked at verses 10 through 18 and 19 and 20, we were focused on this idea of the whole armor of God. Now, that sermon is posted online if you want to listen to that and go back to it. But 
these closing verses, verses 18 through 24, are not just addendums. This is actually taking the same idea that Paul was talking about, about the armor of God, putting on the entire armor of God as, a, as Christians are called to stand for the gospel. God does save each and every individual. He calls us to repentance through His Son, Jesus Christ. But once we are part of God's children, once we are part of God's family, we are then expected by God to stand firm in spiritual battle against the devil and against all that goes against the gospel. Now, how many of us, have, how many of us when we're praying for a new Christian, or when we came to faith, how many of us realized that we were signing up for military duty? Nobody. So we don't talk about that. Now, think about it, because that's not a good sales pitch, right? If you're talking to somebody who is a non-believer, and, and the Lord is dealing with their heart, and He has placed you in their lives to draw them to Christ, to teach them what it means to be a Christian, part of the duty that we have is to really be honest with them and say, you know what, it's not easy being a Christian. It's hard. But we don't want to say that. We want to give them the fluffy sales pitch. Paul here, as he's writing here at the end of chapter 6, he's reminding the church that if you are imitators of God, as he says in chapter 5, and you walk as children of light, and as your family reflects the truth of the gospel to the world, it's going to be a battle. And so Paul, as he's closing out in these words of putting on the whole armor of God, I want to focus on this last spiritual weapon as, and I don't think Paul is doing this by happenstance. I think it's, 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 he's got a purpose here by including prayer and finishing out the armor of God discussion with the most important weapon that we have, and that is prayer. You cannot stand against the schemes of the devil. You cannot stand against the spiritual principalities and authorities of this sinful dark world without prayer. You, the shield of faith is useless. The, the breastplate of righteousness is useless. The shodding of your feet with the shoes of peace are useless. The sword of the Word of God is useless. If prayer is not the focus of what's going on in the spiritual battle that we have. That's what Paul's saying here. Verse 18, no, he's closing out this list of the whole armor of God. We, we, we don't need to forget that prayer is part of the armament. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Paul is telling them to keep that end alert with all perseverance. That's language of a, of a, of a soldier. When we're praying with in the Spirit, when we're praying with a, a prayer of supplication, we are, to prayer be, keep, we are to pray with an alertness and perseverance and never stop. I don't know about you, and I'm a veteran. I know Melanie's a veteran. We've got some other veterans in our church. You know, uh, Dwayne's not here, but he's a, he's a veteran, right? We understand what it means to be on guard duty at night. You remember that, Melanie? Very well. <laughs> One of the most scared times I ever had in the military, and this was in Gulf War Number 1, 1991. I'm on guard duty. 
We're in the middle of the ground war. If you were, I don't know if you're old enough to remember that, but we're in the middle of the ground war. And we, it is dark at night. And all we know is that Saddam Hussein's Republican Guard is on the other side of the border. I was right on the Iraqi-Saudi border. That's where we were. And I was on guard duty. And it's pitch black dark at 2 o'clock in the morning. And this young man, younger than me, comes up to relieve me from guard duty. And if you know about guard duty, you're supposed to be alert on guard duty. You're not supposed to be asleep. So Paul here in Ephesians is using the language of guard duty. You've got to be alert. You've got to persevere. You cannot quit. But this young man, as he comes up to relieve me on guard duty, it was his turn. There's a procedure there when you approach the guard post. There, there, there are code words that you give back and forth, and the code words change each night. And this young man did not respond when I called out to him, Who are you? I called out to him three times. He never said another word. And all I know is there's this dark figure coming toward me in, What do you think I'm going to do? Let's just put it this way. A, chamber, a, a round was chambered in my M16. And I told him he better stop or I'm getting ready to shoot. And he stopped. Most scared I've ever been in my life. I was alert. I was persevering. But man, my legs were shaking. Because <laughs> I was getting ready to kill somebody. It turns out it was a young 18-year-old who hadn't any, he didn't have any idea what he was doing. He just thought it was a joke. I tell you what, the next morning, trust me, me and the commanding officer... We had a good sit-down with him. He had a come-to-Jesus meeting the next morning because he realized how, much, how close he came to getting shot. Paul here is using this language. He's saying, if you are a Christian, in verse 18, pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance and Folks, this is not a game. It is serious spiritual business. To keep alert and to persevere and your legs are going to feel like spaghetti when you come up against the principalities of darkness in this world. That's why we must depend on God. We must pray at all times in the Spirit. So the theme of this closing section here is prayer as a potent weapon, as the most important aspect of God's armor for the faithful. And more importantly here, we have, let's, let's look here in verse 18. The character of a prayer life is what Paul says here in verse 18. When we look at that, there, he says the word all four times. Praying at what? All times in the Spirit with all prayer and all supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. That's an important thing. It's not just a passive, casual, okay, dear God, uh, pray for Geraldine Wilbright, love her, amen, Jesus. Right? Praying at all times. Now, you say, now, Pastor, I can't go around 24-7 praying all the time. I've got to go to work. I've got to go to school. I've got a family. I've got things to do. I can't be just sitting in a corner with my Bible just praying all day long. Things have to get done. God knows that. Paul here is not telling the Christian to be irresponsible and just stand around and be in a, in a meditative own state of prayer. 
prayer is more than just speaking words. Prayer is an attitude of the spirit. Prayer is an... Do you realize that we can pray without ever speaking a word? We can pray with just being in the, a constant living mindset of the Christian because we are in Christ and we are in God's presence. When we are in Christ, once we come to salvation, at that moment of salvation is when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and the Spirit never leaves. And if we are a Christian and we are in a state of prayer, we can just be going about our daily lives and working and still be in tune spiritually with the Lord. And as the Lord brings people to our mind, then we can stop and say things audibly. But is our spirit in this constant attitude of prayer? That's Paul's challenge here in verse 18. Amen? Now, we're looking at this attitude of prayer on Wednesday nights. We've been, uh, Wednesday night is supposed to be prayer meeting. And so we're doing prayer meeting. Not only are the kids learning about Bible verses and learning about missions and learning about the gospel, we are also praying here for each other. We are praying for God's presence. We are actually looking at what does it mean to pray. It's been, what, four or five weeks now we've looked at different aspects of prayer. That's going to continue for a long time. So I think this passage here is a great tie-in to that. What does it mean in verse 18? Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. What is supplication? Supplication is a specific type of prayer that Paul is closing this letter with. He is challenging the church. You must have a prayerful request in the Spirit for others. This is where Paul is saying you are to pray specifically for each other and to have a prayer of supplication is to come before God with a particular request. That's what supplication means. Those who are supplicants are those who are coming to God with a request of God. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially in this context, because who are we requesting for? We're not requesting something for ourselves. Paul is saying you come before God with supplication, requesting help for someone else. This is a prayer of intercession, a prayer of requesting God you love. Dear God, will you please love on so-and-so? Will you protect them in this spiritual battle? Will you draw us together as a church, as Christians? Dear God, I pray for us, plural, as we gather as a church. That's examples of supplication. Amen? How many of us do that? How many of our prayer lives are so focused on ourselves that we just never once pray for each other? I'm guilty of that. Are you? Every one of us are guilty of that. And so Paul's encouragement here at the end of chapter 6 is this is part of the spiritual warfare. If we are not praying for each other, then I am going to challenge us to think of it this way. And I'm not the only one who thinks this. Many theologians comment on this, that if we are not praying for each other, we are literally in sin against God because we are focused on our selfish needs and desires and not on each other. You see, Paul here in chapter 5 and 6, he begins chapter 5 with challenging the Christians to be imitators of God as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. The idea of love is something that is intended to be focused on the other. Love is pouring out 
for someone else. And the example of Christ is he did not die on that cross for his own glory. He died on that cross for you and for me. And as we are praying for each other, that is an act of grace toward each other and persevering in this attitude of prayer in the Spirit to God, dear Father, love on sister so-and-so. Please, dear God, protect brother so-and-so. And this attitude of protection and love and supplication, it is a particular prayer request for someone else. But it's also a prayer of perseverance for someone else. It's more than just a casual, okay, dear God, I want to pray for uh, brother so-and-so today, and I want to pray for sister so-and-so today. Okay, I'm done. It's a constant perseverance of prayer. Amen? It's a constant perseverance of prayer. And so in verse 19, he continues on, and, he, and then now he, he encourages the church, as you, as you make requests to God, will you make a request to God for me? In verse 19. He's now asking the church to pray for him. This is the Apostle Paul who established the church in Ephesus. He's asking them, will you please now pray with me? Verse 19, and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. You see, what's happening here? This prayer of supplication, Paul is saying, please don't, Pray for yourself, but as you're praying for each other, will you remember me in your prayers? And he makes it very specific on what his needs are. You see, Paul is in chains for the gospel. Now think about it. If you were in prison, now we don't do this in prison today, but prison during that time meant that you had heavy cast iron chains on your ankles and on your hands, probably around your body or maybe even your neck. Can you imagine a piece of metal around your leg or around your neck or around your wrist? What would that feel like? You'd get some chafing going on there, wouldn't you? How many of us can't handle the chafing of our blue jeans on our legs and we have to go get special lotion and talc powder and stuff? Especially right now in the summertime, how many of y'all are getting sweaty and, and chafy under, right? And you got to go get some relief. Paul here is in chains. He may ask, will you pray that the Lord would send me some greasy salve to ease my chafing of the chains? Will you pray that the Lord would send me an air conditioning unit because I'm sitting in a hot place? And you know, No, what's he asking for? Will you pray and ask the Lord, give a prayer of supplication, request that God would give me boldness as I preach the word in chains. How many of us are praying those kind of prayers? We have missionaries from the church in the world right now who are facing dire circumstances. We have missionaries around the world right now in prison, in foreign countries, because they were in the country, quote, illegally, trying to proselytize. You know what? Every, every missionary that I've ever communicated with in that situation says, praise the Lord, he's put me in a place where nobody's going to run away and I have a captive audience and I can preach all I want. 
What a prayer. Amen. Matter of fact, I know of one uh, group of people several years ago, their mission agency was trying to get them out of prison. They were going through every political back way that they could get to get them out of prison. And they finally got a message to these people in prison. And the message came back from them, please don't take us from here. We are seeing spiritual fruit. Leave us in prison. Anybody here willing to do that? Paul is challenging the church, asking them, as you pray, pray for me. Amen. How do we know? See, Paul here, we know about Paul's relationship with Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. We don't have to turn there, but if you're taking notes, in Acts chapter 19, we see Paul's interaction with Ephesus as he arrives in Ephesus and he arrives and is introduced to these new believers. He realizes that they were actually following the baptism of John, not the baptism of Jesus Christ. And so he introduces to them the truth of the gospel, and he says, yes, you may have been baptized in the baptism of John, but John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. I am going to teach you what true salvation is through Jesus Christ. And then they were baptized in Jesus Christ, and at that point they understood the role of the Spirit. Because when you read in Acts chapter 19, at the moment Paul baptizes these believers in the the name of Jesus Christ, that's when they were baptized and received the Holy Spirit at that moment. And as they are in the Holy Spirit, Paul is challenging them now here at the end of his letter, pray at all times in the Spirit. Because you know who that is. And pray for me. You see, Paul asked the Ephesian church, remember me. I want to preach the gospel. And Paul says, I need God's grace to keep doing it. What a wonderful request. It's not a selfish request for his own spirit or his own physical needs. It is a spiritual request. Dear God, I'm in this spiritual battle and I need help. And he's asking the Ephesians to stand with him and to pray with him and for him. Because he wants to preach as he ought to preach. He says that I may declare it, the gospel, boldly as I ought to speak. Because if you're in a situation of misery and suffering the way Paul is, his sermons could be very miserable. Amen? Think about it. If you're exhausted, if you're starved, if you are in chains, if your freedom is gone... Paul is praying, I can't do this on my own. He has got this spiritual struggle happening. We see evidence here of Paul's spiritual battle, and he's asking for God's help. He's asking that the Ephesians use the weapon of prayer in spiritual warfare for his behalf. And we know the result of this. Because in Philippians we read that Paul says, while I'm in chains, I have a favor with the praetorian guard. And he gives God praise for that. My captors, my my guards, the praetorian guards of Rome are hearing the gospel and they would have never heard it had I not been here. We read that in the book of Philippians. (laughs) Amen? So Paul here is giving example in his own life of how to pray, how to apply it. And he says, we can't do this on our own, so dear God, please 
Give me the strength I need. Give me the words I need. Not for my glory, but for yours alone. Now verses 21 and 22. Now he goes into his final greeting after asking for prayer. Because you see, prayer is the breath of the Christian soldier. Prayer is what gets us going and keeps us going and keeps us fighting. And so he now closes with this. He says, so that you may also know how I am doing and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. We see, we see evidence in here at the end of Ephesians. Number one, how Paul is doing. But number two, how does the message of his imprisonment and the message of his ministry spread to the churches? It spreads through people like Tychicus. If you've ever read the end of Paul's letters, he would often mention someone by name and thanking them for the service not only to him but to the ministry of the gospel. And so these are fellow soldiers in Christ that Paul is thanking the Lord for. And we get evidence here that how did the Ephesians receive this letter? Tychicus delivered it. Now who is this guy? Who is Tychicus? You see, Tychicus delivers not only this letter to Ephesus, but we also know that he delivers the, the same letter to Colossae. The letter to the Ephesians and the letter to the Colossians were most likely written at the same time and delivered at the same time through Tychicus. If you look over in Colossians chapter 4, Tychicus is mentioned at the same, in the same wording as Paul is mentioning him here in Ephesus. In Colossians chapter 4, those chapter, uh, verses 7 through 18, he mentions several partners in the faith that he says they have come alongside me in prayer of supplication and practical ministry. You see, a prayer of supplication for each other is a practical form of sharing ministry together. And so now Paul is giving thanks to the Lord for several people. Here in Ephesus, at the end of Ephesians, he's thanking not only Tychicus, but also all the brothers who love him and have served with him. But in Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, he mentions Tychicus in the same wording as Ephesians 6, 21. So that you may also know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. So Tychicus is seen as a partner in the gospel, as a brother in the faith, as faithful to the ministry. And he brings word to the church in Ephesus, here's how you can pray for our brother Paul. I just came from Paul, and here's how he is. He's in bad shape, but his spirits are high. He's in bad situation. He's in a suffering jail, but his spirits are high. Now, what kind of encouragement is that to the brothers and sisters in Ephesus? You know what? We think we've got life bad, but man, our brother Paul, praise the Lord for his strength. So Paul now becomes an encouragement to them as Tychicus reports what he's doing and how he's surviving. And he, but at the same time, Tychicus is not raising Paul up as this untouchable apostle. He's saying... Our brother Paul is in need of prayer and support. Will you pray for him? So Paul is asking the Ephesians to share in his ministry, even though they cannot be there. 
Antichicus here shares all the details of what's happening. Now, who again is Tychicus? Again, we see him in Ephesians chapter 6. We see him in Colossians chapter 4. But Tychicus is also mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And he is also mentioned in Acts chapter 20 when Paul is taking an offering from the Gentile churches to the church in Jerusalem. Tychicus is right there in the midst of it. So we see evidence of some of Paul's ministry partners, his crew, his group of men and women who come alongside and share in the gospel ministry. If if you turn over to Colossians chapter 4, you can see this. Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18, he mentions Tychicus in verse 7, and then in verse 9 he mentions Onesimus. Where Where do we know Onesimus from? From, from the small, wonderful letter of Philemon. Right? Who do we, and then in verse 12, he mentions Epaphras. Who do we, how do we know about Epaphras? In Philippians, Paul mentions Epaphras by name as the one who is delivering the letter to the church in Philippi, who is also an encourager. We also see in Colossians chapter 4 that Luke and Demas are mentioned as partners in the gospel. But then we see... Um, Another person mentioned, Nympha, who hosted the church in Colossae in her home. Paul is giving women just as much credit in the gospel as he is the man. You see that? They come alongside. And then, of course, he mentions Archippus. So you see, the the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a lone ranger endeavor. It's not about those pastors or those great spiritual teachers who do wonderful, glorious things. Absolutely not. Paul, as wonderful as he is and as glorious as he is to the proclamation of the gospel, as much as he did in the earliest century of the church in planting churches and spreading the gospel to the Gentiles, he was just another soldier in the battle. And he reaches out to his fellow Christians and he says, pray for me. And that is an example for us. Are we praying for each other? Here's my challenge to us as a church, folks. If we do not pray for each other, like he says here in verses 23 and 24 of chapter 6 in Ephesians, Paul says, Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. We are to love each other and part of that love is to pray for each other. If we are not praying for each other, we are not loving each other. And when that happens, Satan can get his nose under the tent and he can come into the congregation and he can cause bitterness and gossip and backbiting and hatefulness and ill will toward one another. We are in a spiritual battle. If we find ourselves exhausted and irritated with each other. You know what? It's very possible that someone has done something justifiably irritating. Can we say amen? Trust me. I irritate my wife to no end. I got in so much trouble yesterday two times. Just Yesterday was a good day. I know that in this congregation there have been times I know I have probably irritated you to no end. Trust me, you all have done things that have irritated me to no end. Can we just be honest? 
What's that? I'm I'm looking at everybody. Do you feel guilty? The point is this. If we are not praying for each other, then those moments of irritation can be points of a, the sword of, the, of Satan getting inside here and stabbing us and causing us harm and pain. And Paul here is closing out Ephesians chapter 6 to be God's children, to be His people, means that not only are we to have spiritual godly families, like he says in chapter 5, and for slaves to be uh, respectful to their masters and masters to be respectful to their slaves, to be examples to the community. We are to be fervent in prayer and wary of any spiritual battle that comes against us. That's why he says in chapter 6, put on the whole armor of God and the most important tool that we've got in that weaponry is prayer. Amen? If our attitudes in our spirit are not Christ-like, then that is a sign, a red flag, to stop and to pour out fervently in prayer. Now sometimes that's hard to remember, but that's why we have each other, and we pray for each other, and we love each other. Not, only, not just for our selfish gratification and our, even our spiritual growth, but for protection around God's people. You see what Paul's saying here? This is an important word. I want to close out our time here in prayer. I want to close out our time in prayer, not just for ourselves, for each other. Don't pray a prayer for yourself. Right now as we're closing in prayer, do not pray for yourself. Pray for somebody else. As Paul encourages us in Ephesians chapter 6, who do we pray for? Maybe somebody in this room. Maybe somebody who's not in this room that should be in this room. Amen? Let's pray for them. And that's a prayer of supplication is a prayer of fervent request of God, almost to the point of pestering God to where He has no other choice but to answer. And that's biblical. Amen? Let's close out in prayer. Father God, we do thank you for the teaching of your word. This is not a book that you've given us so that we can have a lifestyle choice. Dear God, there are words here that we must hear that are difficult and hard. And I thank you, God, for those hard words. First, God, I ask for your forgiveness of us as we do not always obey. As we are so focused on our own selfishness, God, I pray that you would forgive us, but grant us the mindset of Christ so that we can pray for each other. You have given us a task as your children to stand firm for the gospel in a dark and fallen world. And as we do that, God, please guard us from falling into the darkness of the world and fighting that battle with hatred and instead fighting that battle with love and prayer. Teach us to be forgiving 
Teach us, for, dear God, to remember each other. I pray, dear God, that right now that we would pray for someone else in this room. I pray, dear God, for everybody here. I pray, dear God, that everyone in this room would feel your Holy Spirit as they leave and as their week goes on, Father. I pray that they would not that they would not fall away from the gospel. Lord, those who are not here, Geraldine Wilbright, Lord, we have been praying for her these last few weeks in her health battles. Even this morning, God, as I spoke to her, I pray right now as you remember our conversation, dear God, I pray right now you pour out your love on her and her house. She's praying for us. I want to pray for her. Strengthen her, Father. Dwayne and Joy are not here this morning. I pray, God, that you would love on them, that you would strengthen them, that you would give them confidence in the gospel, that you would protect them from sickness and just aches and pains of the body. Strengthen them, Father, so that they can continue to be witnesses for your kingdom. God, we want to serve you and we fail you often. As we treat each other in our homes in ways that are not godly, I pray, God, you'd forgive us and that you would bind us together in love and peace. And I pray, God, that everyone around us would see that gospel witness we would look at them and say, it's not us, it's our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. Teach us to point others to Him. Love on us, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name. Give me Jesus. 
to die Oh, when I come to die Give me Jesus Give me Jesus Give me Jesus You can have all this You can have all this world Oh, you can have all this world Just give me clear? Is it been good to be in the house of the Lord? Melanie, you don't annoy me. No she felt guilty there. But we're so glad you guys are here. Please fellowship together as we leave. Come back Wednesday night for a wonderful night of prayer. And kids, are you excited to get back here on Wednesday night? Yeah! Yay! Yay! I know this is 4th of July week, and if you're traveling, God bless you and have safe travels. But if you can be here, come on back. Let's have a good time with us tonight. Amen? Amen. Bill, would you close with some prayer, please? to our minds during the week.